this week's message given by Pastor Stephen Yun at the Circus Center United Methodist Church, August 30th, 2020. The message is towards a spiritual worship too, based on Romans 12, 14 to 21 and Matthew 5, 21 to 24. Would you join me as I pray? O loving gracious God, we turn our full attention and our full selves to you this morning. Speak to us once again your words of peace that our lives become the sacred speech in our lives and our world. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So I grew up in a culture where physical expressions of love among family members are not common. Hugs, kisses, physical signs of affection were very rare. I only have vague memories of my dad holding my mom's hand, which I saw in their wedding album. And I never seen them kiss each other or say, I love you. Even though they loved me and my brother, outward displays of affection wasn't their thing. Of course, your culture, family background shape who you are. Living in the States for almost 20 years, now I don't withhold the outward expressions of love for my family. Whether you like expressing your love physically or not, we know love should be expressed. Love should be communicated. I want to invite you to take a moment to think about the most important relationships in your life and think about how you would feel if your loved ones never hugged you or never kissed you or if they never told you I love you. How would you feel? That would be sad. It would be even hurt for some of you. We all need to experience love in one way or another. In all, our, all of our closest relationships, we want to hear words of love and care. We want to be told how important we are to them. But we also want to see it in how we are treated and what they do for us. Words are cheap unless we provide the action to back them up. The same is the case with our worship and our relationship with God. Through the words of praise, through our bodily gestures, we praise God. We express our love for God when we come together to worship. But what if we cannot back up what we say with how we live? What would that mean to God? What would that worship imply? Again, worship is the way we show our love, our praise, our adoration to God for who God is and for what God has done for us. The truth is, though, that as we grow in a loving relationship with God, we desire more and more to do God's will and live in the way of His Son, Jesus Christ. It includes everything we do in our everyday life, 
Everything we do can be an act of worship. What we speak, where we go, what we watch, how we treat others, how we give, the list goes on and on. Spiritual worship is bigger than our one-hour gathering on Sunday. Certainly this is not to diminish the power, necessity, importance of corporate public worship or our need to set times together and worship together. But spiritual worship is more than an hour that we have on Sunday morning. It can never be confined to one hour gathered worship. Worship scholars talk about the difference between gathered worship and scattered worship. Gathered worship refers to the type of worship that happens when the body of Christ assembles together. The Greek, the biblical term for church is ecclesia. The ecclesia refers to Christian gathering in physical proximity to one another, singing as one voice, receiving the word of the gospel. And the breaking bread together to celebrate God's mighty act of salvation revealed in the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Scattered worship is the counterpart to gathered worship. This is the day-to-day worship, the life of faith lived out in surrender and sacrifice in the ordinary mundane places of our life. This is the type of worship we refer to when we speak of worship being a continuous outpouring of love and praise to God through the way we live in our speech, our thoughts, our actions. As Christians, we worship gathered and we worship scattered. What we shouldn't remember is that scattered worship follows gathered worship. We gather so we can scatter. To put another way, gathered worship equip us to go live as scattered worshipers. There are simply the different contexts in which we worship God. Given we spend only one hour for gathered worship each week, we spend most of our life living as scattered worshipers. We have experienced the reality most strikingly during this COVID-19 pandemic since we couldn't and still can gather in person. When Apostle Paul talks about spiritual worship in Romans chapter 12, he talks about worship in light of scattered worship. And in today's scripture reading, Paul sums up the core of Christian living. And he reminds us that spiritual worship is about a lifestyle. More specifically, a lifestyle of forgiveness, humility, peace, justice. If spiritual worship is about living a Christian lifestyle, it means that it is affecting every part of you, every part of your relationships. Importantly, spiritual worship builds our relationship with God and our fellow Christians. At the same time, our relationship in turn builds our worship, both gathered 
and scattered. Our relationships shape the way we worship and what kind of worshipers we are becoming. In his letter to Christians in Rome, Paul offers a list of things he wants the Christians to practice in everyday lives. These practices refer to love in action. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. Through his teaching, Paul reminds us that if worship is only a Sunday thing for us, we are missing spiritual worship that is to be offered during the rest of the week. What Paul teaches are great teachings here. It's a great teaching and realistic advices, something we could try and, and live out and feel capable of living out. But there are parts that make us feel uncomfortable, even make us think, is this possible to live out, really? It sounds unrealistic. Listen to these words one more time. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. We know Paul, Paul's teaching is based on the teaching of Jesus on the mount. Love your enemies. Jesus taught us not only love your neighbors, but also our enemies. The irony of life is that oftentimes they are the same people. But friends, spiritual worship is about a lifestyle rooted in the way of Christ, characterized by forgiveness, peace, justice, humility. Spiritual worship calls for positive changes, growth in our relationships. In the Gospel, Jesus taught his disciples about the importance of relationship in worship. In Matthew chapter 5, which was read by Marge, Jesus says, If you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering. Leave immediately, go to his friend, go to your friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. What a challenging message. What Jesus teaches here is that broken relationships can hinder our relationship with God. If we have a problem or a grievance with, with someone, if you hate someone, hold a grudge and come to worship, it can affect your gathered worship. It can affect your scattered worship. I see myself as a forgiving person, but I once had a great difficulty forgiving a, a person. It was 20 years ago when I was in military service. I never smoked in my life for health reasons, but this man was during the special training, this man may, uh, forced me to smoke a cigarette. I refused. 
He insisted. I refused. And he said, this is an order. I said, sir, I, I can't obey the order. I don't smoke. I, I won't do it. And all of a sudden, he got furious about what I said. Again, he insisted. And I said, no, sir, smoking or no smoking may be a personal choice. But for me, it's an expression of my faith, especially for my health. So I can't do that. As soon as he heard my answer, he hit my head with his military cap several times. I won't go in detail, but I felt something was running down from my nose. And he started criticizing and bullying my colleagues. I couldn't stand the fact that he perpetuated physical violence against me. But what's more troubling was that he started harassing the others because of me. So I said, okay, I'll smoke. That was my very first cigarette. Perhaps will be the last. Two lessons I learned. First, not everyone is called to be a martyr. Second, smoking a cigarette was not my thing. It was really bitter. No offense to smokers. The whole event was a direct blow to my ego. It shattered my self-worth, self-esteem. Initially, I struggled with a wide range of negative emotions, such as anger, helplessness, went through the emotional roller coaster every day. I couldn't worship. I couldn't focus on worship on Sunday. I found myself filled with hate, rage. My mind was uh, occupied with such a strong motivation for revenge that I swore to myself that I could, would never forgive the person. You know, anger isn't always a bad thing. Anger and justice provides motivation, trajectory toward justice. We know the, the righteous anger expressed by Moses, Jesus, the prophets. But the problem comes even with righteous anger when we are so angry that we do harm ourselves and others. The problem comes when we stay angry instead of letting that anger go and habit do things that are constructive. After the incident, I felt totally trapped with my anger. My physical, psychological, spiritual well-being suffered tremendously. What helped me to change my attitude toward the offender was my prayer which often took a form of lament, and yet calmed my heart in substantial ways. I pour out my broken hearts before God. After work, I go to church. I prayed. I pour out my heart, which was a form of my worship. Eventually, time does help, but God heals wounds. A strong negative emotion gradually faded with my ongoing prayers. I realized that I still had the agency and capacity to forgive. A breakthrough in this process of healing and forgiving 
was an insight into the connection between my capacity to forgive and God's forgiveness for us. The offender never asked me for forgiveness. But I felt free to forgive. And I was able to let go. Though I never forgot about the event, it took great courage and long time for me to be able to share this experience with others. I believe that it was the Holy Spirit who enabled the process of healing and forgiveness to take place. The experience taught me the connection between the worship and my relationship and how our relationship could shape the way we worship and what kind of worshipers we are becoming in our everyday lives. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to forgive and love our enemies. In the same way, Paul teaches, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge. You know, this doesn't make sense to us at all if we don't understand what God's grace is and how God's grace works. Grace is a grace. Grace is a gift freely given to us, something we don't deserve. We live in a culture where it's hard to fully understand the grace of God because our mindset is you get what you pay for. But as Wesley pointed out, God's grace works for all. God's grace is in all. In a sense, we may feel easier to live by the list of rules and laws and than to live in authentic, dynamic, genuine relationships to people. For instance, it's not enough to prohibit the killing of another. The point is the value of the other. What is required is that we not only fail to do them harm, but that we are engaged in proactively seeking their good, affirming their worth, rooted in the image of God, and even to the risk of our own good. And it begins with us. We should not wait for them to act, to offer us a hand in reconciliation. Friends, we cannot worship well until we have stepped toward another with whom we are in conflict. I know it's not easy. But again, our spiritual worship is a life rooted in the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Catholic spiritual writer Richard Rohr once wrote, Christianity is a lifestyle, a way of being in the world that is simple, nonviolent, shared, and loving. However, we made it into established religion, all that goes with that, and avoided the lifestyle change itself. One could be warlike, greedy, racist, selfish, vain in most of the Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's 
personal Lord and Savior. The world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is too great. What a profound statement. It reminds us that the worship is not an event. It's, it's not simply a Sunday morning ritual. It's about a life of worship. The question is how we could live out a life of worship, the worshipful life. The key is to our relationships. It's about Christ-centered lifestyle. Everything you do is poured out as a spiritual act of worship. Being constantly aware that Jesus is the center of all things for us. As I close my message, I'd like to say a prayer written by John Bali, a theologian and teacher in Scotland. Let us pray. Eternal Father of my soul, let my first thought today be of you. Let my first impulse be to worship you. Let my first speech be your name. Let my first action be to kneel before you in prayer. Amen.